All right, folks. It was an off week for the Tulsa Roughnecks, but that does not mean there's not soccer to talk about. Lots of USL action, Open Cup, MLS. Still, we have a ton to talk about. We have a big match in Edinburgh, Texas. Tulsa Roughnecks will be taking on Rio Grande Valley. We'll preview that match and also take a look more closely at the U.S. Open Cup pairings and and what I would do if I was commissioner for a day to change and to make the U.S. Open Cup great again. That's right. We're going to talk about all those details, but first, you know what time it is. The clouds are getting dark. The wind is picking up. You got to get inside, get away from the windows, get under something sturdy or get to the basement because, folks, it is another time for the Tornado Alley Sock Podcast. All right. Welcome, everybody. Thank you so, so much for uh, joining me today. Uh, this uh, happy Easter version of the Tornado Alley Sock Podcast. We had a rare midweek maybe not rare but we had a midweek podcast covering a little bit of the US Open Cup so today is going to be a little bit of a lighter episode as it's Easter Sunday like I said so we have wanted to make sure everyone was able to spend time with their families this holiday weekend uh, and again you can find us on the beautiful game network bgn.fm tornado alley soccer podcast click on the tornado alley soccer podcast icon and that'll give you access to all past, present episodes. We also have uh, subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, RSS feed. For those who do that, you can have the episode queued up, ready for you to enjoy when there's a new update ready for you. So there was a little bit of an abbreviated weekend in the USL, but there were some great matches. There's some undefeated teams uh, really taking... Going on the road, we had some teams, you know, we had really good opponents, really good matchups this weekend in the USL. So we'll drop into it again. Tulsa was off this past weekend. Uh, Just had a little bye week, just the way the schedule worked out. Their next match will be at Edinburgh, Texas, Rio Grande Valley. So a little bit of a matchup, a little bit of rematch there uh, in the first match. Uh, Tulsa won 1-0 at home at One Oak at One Oak Stadium, One Oak Field, whatever you want to call it. Uh, right now, the Toros are, are are on a pretty good run right now. They've uh, won a couple of matches and, and were victorious this week. And we'll get into some of the USL action right now. We'll just, Actually, we'll do it now. We'll talk about it now. Uh, this week was a, a pretty tough week for a Sacramento Republic who was undefeated coming into this week. Uh, was a victim of probably one of the goals of the year, if not the goal of maybe best goal of the USL period. Uh, I'll just go ahead and say it. Uh, Miguel Gonzalez had a, I guess, a bicycle kick off of a flip throw from Michael Thomas uh, from Oklahoma City Energy, which uh, if you've, unless you've been living under a rock, but you know, you guys out there that follow soccer, I'm sure you've seen the replay about a million times because I have. Great goal. I was a little bit, I was just completely shocked when that happened. I was, I just happened to be watching it, tuned it in about five minutes later, that match or that goal happened. Uh, anyway, that was the difference in that match. Oklahoma City wins 1 0 over Sacramento Republic. And then uh, I had a Wednesday match with uh, St. Louis over Pittsburgh River Hounds and RGV winning at home against Colorado Springs Switchbacks. 
Switchbacks had a little bit of a Texas trip there as they played uh, San Antonio and turned around and had to play at Edinburgh, Texas, which is always a tough place to play. And then we had a, uh, just a few more matches here of, of interest. We had uh, Cincinnati beating St. Louis. Cincinnati, 23,000-plus record-selling attendance. So, you know, they it's really impressive what they're doing attendance-wise. And really, Cincinnati was coming in kind of a bad form, really. Uh, it was, you know, below – you know, they weren't top table. They are kind of mid-table towards the bottom of the table coming into this week. They really, really needed this match – Really needed a good results here against St. Louis. I'm a little bit surprised by the results, but uh, it's just going to serve notice the teams coming in, coming into Cincinnati. That's not going to be an easy place to win. 23,000 plus screaming fans getting after it. Uh, that's not going to be easy for anybody. So um, good job to them, and kind of wonder if this will be where they turn the season around. Uh, and that match was on Saturday, and there are a few other matches on Saturday. Uh, Louisville City hosted uh, Tampa Bay Rowdies, and I think they almost had 10,000 there at Louisville City or Slugger Stadium. So that's, I mean, it was pretty crowded when I was watching on the stream. So good job to them. Good marketing, good effort. Good. I think it also helps as a great opponent like Tampa Bay Rowdies coming to town. Two teams, top of the table, and Louisville gets it done 2 1. And that was a great game. I watched a little bit of it towards the end of, towards the, end of the match, and uh, it was like 1 0 Louisville. Then Louisville goes up 2 0, and then Tampa Bay puts a goal back, and Tampa Bay, I thought, had a chance to score it there towards the end. They had possession. We're, we're making a little bit of a run there, and uh, nothing to it, though. Uh, Louisville wins at home 2-1. And then another really intriguing match. Uh, I thought it would be a little bit more intriguing because uh, Sacramento was undefeated until they lost in Oklahoma City and, you know, off of a wonder goal, really. But they, have, they were at Swope Park. Uh, I'm just gonna let you know. Uh, uh, if you if you rode off Swope Park like they weren't going to be in the playoffs, you, you might be gravely mistaken because they beat Sacramento one nil. Uh, good match there. Caught a little bit of it. I was I had both that match in the uh, St. Louis or I'm not sorry St. Louis, but the uh, Louisville match on. So I had I had like my tablet and and I had the YouTube on on the on the TV going. So. Uh, Anyway, a good match there. Gonzalez with the goal. Um, Mark Anthony Gonzalez with the goal there for Swope Park in the 70th minute. So good game, good defensive match there, and, and something I want to point out real quick. In that match, Swope Park had 59% of possession. So you're looking at 59%, 41% possession over over the Sacramento Republic, and they did the same thing against Oklahoma City. So this is a team, Swope Park, okay, that they're going to be tough. They're, they're going to dominate possession. Uh, you can tell in those two matches, that big matches against Oklahoma City and Swope Park, I mean, and uh, Sacramento, that they've maintained that much possession. I know some people don't really pay a lot of attention to possession and all oh, the only you know stat that matters is the scoreboard and all that good stuff, but – uh, if you have the ball, and again, the two things I pay attention to, possession and shots on goal, the more shots on goal, the more opportunities you have to score. And the more possession you have, the more, the less the other team has the ball. Simple as that. So that's that's an impressive stat line uh, from uh, the Rangers there in Swope Park. 
So we'll see if uh, they can continue that run. You know, they're they're one of the few undefeated teams now because Colorado Springs came back, got a big win against Salt Lake City Monarchs, the Monarchs of Salt Lake City, whatever you want to call them, uh, 2-1 in that match at uh, Colorado Springs. So first time Salt Lake City has, you know, had to make a trip west against, a, you know, a little bit of a rival there. I think, I don't know if it's a bitter rival, but it's a rival. They had a decent crowd there, pretty exciting for them, and I was able to catch Roland's uh, call on the match, so that was always good to hear. But they had a Cashier and a King both had goals. Uh, I think one was off a of PK, if I'm not mistaken. And then uh, Velasquez uh, had a little the 60-minute goal for the Monarchs. But this was interesting. This is very interesting. If this stat's correct, Colorado Springs only had 30% of the possession. Wow, 30-70, and still won the match, 2-1. So... What do I know, right? If that's from that, that just doesn't even seem right. It's just really interesting that that's that's a stat on that game. But anywho, so uh, Monarchs go down this weekend, so they are no longer undefeated. And let's see if we can get a couple more scores here from the weekend. Uh, let's see, Charleston Battery five nil over Rochester. Wow, that's a pretty big scoreline there. Um, and then the other match late Saturday night. Well, we'll have another two matches. San Antonio four, Reno zero. A lot of people thought Reno would be that team that would compete for a playoff spot. And I think it's pretty apparent that uh, this league stuff, there's a lot of good teams. I think the USL as a whole has, has gotten better, bringing in more talent, bringing in more players, good quality players. More teams coming into the league. Um, well, we'll see. I mean, Reno, it's early season. They'll they'll figure it out. Maybe get into a couple of players in the, in the system. It's They're affiliated with uh, San Jose. So we'll see. But right now, kind of struggling. And then LA Galaxy 2, speaking of struggling, they lose at home to Sounders 2. That's a little bit of a, a shocking result there. 2-1 uh, to one is the victory there for the Sounders 2. And, yeah, that's, again, that's a little bit of a surprising scoreline. And then a uh, Sunday match that's already take place, uh, Timbers 2 and Vancouver Whitecaps 2. Looks like Whitecaps 2 finally get their first big, first win of the season over the Timbers 2. 1-0 uh, there at at Portland. So let's uh, take a, just a quick gander here at the standings, and we'll just take a look at the tables to see where everybody's at at the moment. In the East, Louisville City, first place, 10 points through four matches, tied with St. Louis. But St. Louis has played one more match, so Louisville has a game in hand there. They have, both have 10 points. Charleston Battery, four point, uh, nine points through four. Same for Tampa Bay, Red Bull New York, two. Uh, they have seven points through five. Cincinnati, six through four. Harrisburg City Islanders have only played three matches and have six points, so that's that's not a bad spot to be. And then Pittsburgh Riverhounds, five points through five matches, and, and then it's like uh, there's a little bit of a drop-off there. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Bethlehem still has there, – there's a bunch of teams still have played three matches. Uh, teams further up north haven't played home matches yet. So, yeah, I think uh, – you know, right now it's kind of hard to tell. You know, Charlotte Independence has only played two matches, or I'm sorry, they played three, two matches. So, 
if you can get above a point a match, then you're in the you're in the playoff hunt right now in the East. Of course, it's way early. It's 32 matches, and we've only played five, four, three. So way early, way too early to be really paying, you know, doing too much dissecting here. But it's just fun to look at, just get a lay of the land. Right now, the top team in the West, and it's just because they have played one more match than Swope Park Rangers, but San Antonio, 10 points through four. Monarchs, nine through four. Sacramento Republic, nine points through five matches. Swope Park Rangers only played three matches, have nine points, win every time. Four-point goal diff. Pretty good stuff there for the Swope Park Rangers. And then the switchbacks are eight points through five. Whitecaps to uh, seven points through four points, or four, I'm sorry, four games played, seven points. And I said that they had won their first match. I, no, that was Timbers 2. So Timbers 2 still have not won put a point on the board yet this entire season through five matches. So they're in last place right now. Uh, let's see here. Just right now, Tulsa, since they've only played three matches, and, of course, we had that forfeit, only three points through three matches is setting in 13th. But, again, have a couple of games in hand. Some of these teams have already played five matches. Some have played four. If you get three, six points right now, get you kind of that playoff area. But, you know, way too early. And things won't get easier for Tulsa, unfortunately, as they are on the road against some of these same teams that they've just played. So uh, it will be interesting to see where all that falls into place. And the team that they will be playing next is the uh, RGV Toros, who are currently in seventh place as they have six points through four matches. So it'll be a big matchup this week for Tulsa. And we'll just kind of just look at next week, see what next week looks like in the USL. Uh, just go over that real quickly here. All right, so we have fifth week, fourth week completed. Well, let's take a look. Next week, uh, wow, this is a good match. Uh, Cincinnati hosts Tampa Bay on Wednesday. I don't know if we'll get 23,000 on a Wednesday night, but who knows? I could be wrong. That'll be a good match. That'd be a really good match. Let's see here. Thumbing through Whitecaps to host San Antonio. So San Antonio, first trip out to the West Coast, Pacific Northwest trip, Whitecaps two, And then you have Cincinnati hosting Louisville. Wow, they've got tough two tough teams coming to town here in, Tol- or in uh, Cincinnati. And then you have, uh, let's see, I said Louisville, right? I didn't say Tampa. So Cincinnati hosting Louisville. They host Tampa Bay on Wednesday. Okay, so if I said that wrong. Uh, again, RGV hosting Tulsa. St. Louis hosting the Charlotte Independents. And let's see here. Reno hosting the Switchbacks. On That's a late match, uh, 9 p.m. Central kickoff there at Greater Nevada Field. Sounders 2 playing the Monarchs at home there at Starfire. LA Galaxy 2 hosting the Orange County SC, not Orange County Blues, but the Orange County SC, and Sacramento Republic hosting Timbers 2. So there's a lot of West Coast, West late night kickoffs there. So uh, it looks like also there's only two matches for that 7.30 Central time slot or whatever you want to call that on on Saturday. And then on Sunday, Phoenix Rising hosts 
Swope Park Rangers. I don't know if they'll have DDA Drogba, but that would be really intriguing if they were able to pull DDA Drogba for that match against the best team in the West. But we'll see. So let's uh, let's go ahead and just kind of switch gears here and talk a little bit about the Tulsa and RGV match right now. Yeah, so RGV is coming off a pretty big win this week as they beat the Colorado Springs Switchbacks 3-1 at home. So they were able to put some points. Really their first time they had put a lot of points. I think multi, multi-goal game, first one of the season. They had one goal against Oklahoma City, and I think – yeah, I think they only scored four so far this season. So, anyway, um, kind of open it up a little bit against the switchbacks. So, we'll see if that goal-scoring brigade continues. I know Tulsa likes to play it pretty tight in the back. Uh, you know, right now, a couple of injury concerns, and since it's Sunday, we'll probably get more info as the week progresses. So, Bradley Bourgeois – or. Burgess, I think it's Burgess. He told me Burgess, but he goes by either one. So I'll go Bradley Burgess. He you know, picked up a little bit of a knock in the match against uh, the Republic as well as Francisco Ugarte. But last, bet, the last I heard is that they will be okay and that they'll be fine for the match. And I'm assuming by this time a couple weeks have passed uh, since the last match and surely everyone will be eligible to play for the next match the next game on the road at Rio Grande. So as far as I'm as far as I'm aware there's not any suspensions or anyone that's out for the match. But we'll know more probably as the week progresses if there are any concerns on that end. And we'll probably hear from the Pop and Vod show a little more details on uh, who's available and who's not. So we'll be keeping an eye on that. Um right now uh, the person that seems to be the most aggressive on offense or on the attacking side for um, for Rio Grande is uh, is uh, Luna. He has had, you know, I think, seven shots on target. Yeah, Mimo Rodriguez with uh, two goals so far. And then Ruben Luna with one and uh, Camila Monroy, Monroy with the other goal. So this uh, this is a team at the last match against Oklahoma City or wow the, well they did play Oklahoma City but the last match against Tulsa you had the big rain hit during the middle of halftime uh, kind of put the game more of a defensive match a lot less shots on goal in the second half a lot less offense on both sides of the ball you know we'll see you know one person that I didn't see get involved a lot on the offense who had been involved in the offense prior was uh, Charlie Ward uh, with Rio Grande Valley. So we'll see if they, you know, it seemed like they kind of played the the home run ball against Tulsa in the match in in at One Oak. We'll see how they do at home, if, if they maybe they play more of a possession-based style. You know, I, I think this will be a tough match just because it's on the road. Uh, I know in the past Tulsa's had the bus to this to this match. So that's a long road trip, uh, long, and, and it starts the beginning of a road trip for Tulsa. So we have, you know, a tough match on the road going all the way to Edinburgh. They've, they've put up some goals last match. So it won't be an easy task just because we've beat these guys once doesn't mean, you know, this, you can use a distributive property and turn around and say, oh, yeah, this will be a, an easy win for Tulsa. No, no, no. It's a little bit different animal on the road. 
and I fully expect that they will be fired up. This will be the third match at their brand-new park down at HEB Stadium. I think it holds like 9,000. I think the last attendance was over five grand, 5,800 for the last match. So they'll have some good fans there. Saturday night match you know, against a, an opponent that's in the region, so I imagine they'll, they'll draw a decent crowd for that one. You know, it's like Rio Grande has four home matches in a row here coming up. Wow. So it's kind of the opposite of what Tulsa's doing. Tulsa has to has to go on the road uh, for their road trip. And there was a match originally scheduled this week against uh, St. Louis FC, but uh, for whatever reason, I guess there was a conflict or decided to move that match because I've had people ask me, wait, Roger, the next match is St. Louis. So if you had an old schedule – it shows St. Louis FC, but that match has been moved to a later date. I think it's the 28th of June, if I'm not mistaken. But anyway, so no, the next match is on Saturday against Rio Grande Valley. Yeah, I expect it's going to be a good match. You know, if I'm Tulsa, if I'm a Tulsa fan, I think, you know, getting a draw would be a, a good result here. Don't think that's the worst result in the world. You want to see Tulsa. What I want to see from Tulsa is a little more possession-based uh, you know, getting, making sure we can check the the really speedy wingers, Luna being one, and then Escalante being the other. At least who played in the last match uh, in, at One Oak, and you know we'll see if our our defenders. You know, we had the tough twenty minutes there against Sacramento. We'll see if uh, defense tightened up. Can kind of watch out for those those over. You know, the balls going over. Uh, from the long ball if they continue to play that way for Rio Grande. I didn't watch the last match, but, you know, maybe they've, they've changed up their tactic a little bit. But either way, you just got to make sure if you're a defender, you can't let defenders get behind. You can't get the off, offensive players or the wingers get, get behind you because that's when problems happen. That's when you get one-on-one with your goalkeeper. That's when goals get scored. So we'll see. I'm pretty excited to see if they can tighten that up a little bit. But anyway, so good stuff there. We will have that match will be on YouTube. I believe it will be on YouTube unless ESPN3 is covering it. And I'm not sure about that. But it should, either way, be on YouTube. Exciting game there in Edinburgh on Saturday, 7.30. And let's just kind of right now, we'll, well, we'll touch on a little MLS soccer. Just uh, go over. Some of the scores uh, look like uh, Chicago still doing their good run as they beat uh, a 10-man D.C. United 3-0 there in Chicago. So good good result there. I've, I guess they're going to keep that run going, so we'll see. That's, that's good. Good for and them. a few more results here. FC Dallas gave up a late – Goal against San Jose Earthquakes. Dallas had the 1-0 lead, and then in the 90-plus fourth minute, Quakes put the equalizer. Tough goal there. Another match in YCFC, 2-0 over Philadelphia Union. Another wonder goal there. David Villa hits, hits one from about the halfway line on the left side. I thought goalkeeper for... Philadelphia came up. I think he thought the center backs were going to clear it back to him and he was going to step up and, and, and clear it back to the other side of the field. Didn't happen. 
tough time for Philadelphia fans. Uh, and then Seattle loses 2-1 to Vancouver. And a few other, few other matches, Montreal over Atlanta 2-1, Orlando over LA Galaxy 2-1. And like I said, Chicago 3, New England 0. Neil, whatever. I'm American. I can say 0, right? <laughs> Red Bulls 2, DC United 0, 0, 2-0 Red Bulls. 2-1 uh, Columbus over Toronto. Good result there for, Toronto, for Columbus. Dynamo 2, 2 tie with uh, Minnesota United. Colorado losing at home to Real Salt Lake 2-1. Tim Howard uh, has been disciplined for three matches because he said something back to the fans who were probably saying stuff that was worse than what he said back to them. That's a different story. Um, I don't know. I've, I have my own feelings there. Maybe I'll share about that. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, Portland uh, losing at home to Sporting Kansas City. Look at that. One nil there. Sporting getting it done on the road. So there you go. That's the MLS wrap-up for this week. And we'll go ahead and just talk a little bit of Open Cup while we're at it. If you haven't heard, uh, the two Tulsa teams, uh, Tulsa Athletic and Tulsa Roughnecks, could potentially face each other in the Open Cup at TU with the Energy U23 squad coming to play Tulsa Athletic first, so Tulsa Roughnecks will play the winner of that match. Uh, right now, that's the only thing we know as far as in this region. You know, we, I've already talked about FC Wichita on the Thursday show, so we won't get into much there. But, um, yeah, interesting. Uh, this weekend, I actually played uh, the Charity Cup with the, uh, the Armory, the supporter group of Tulsa Athletic. Uh, we may not have been the best team, but we had the f- most fun. Dang it. We had, we had a lot of fun. It was great to get with those folks and play a little footy there. Um, I think we're we're more concerned about the, uh, the the keg and the beer situation than the results on the pitch. But we had a great time. That's all that matters. Uh, we'll have to be excited to do that again next year. Maybe we can have a couple more teams of supporter groups uh, to play. So anyway, good time there. Uh, it's a great team. It was kind of a odd weekend because it was a, a Easter weekend, and I think they had to move it once. And but it was it, either way, we had a great time at the Charity Cup. Got to talk to Matt a little bit and Matt Bolt, the GM for uh, Tulsa Athletic, and then of course the Armory. I know they're excited for the big draw for the Open Cup weekend. So I know everyone's. I know Rouse Bouts also. They're excited about that match and and getting to play two potential. Well be one home match if you're uh, Tulsa Roughnecks for sure. So getting to be able to play Open Cup here in Tulsa is exciting. I know TU is excited to host it, um, but, yeah, it'll be good. It'll be a great, great experience, great time uh, for the Roughnecks and, and, and athletic fans alike. But, yeah, we had, uh, you know, had that going on and then, had a few more uh, signings here with Tulsa Athletic over the weekend, or not over the week, but over the past couple of weeks here. Uh, we'll get those up here. Uh, yeah, Gustavo Vargas, uh, he played for uh, Dutch Lions previously, and I think he played for Bacone right now, and also joining him, Gustavo Vargas as well. So uh, got a couple of guys there from Bacone uh, there in I believe it's in Warner, Oklahoma, if I'm not mistaken. 
so we have those signings uh, past. I think it may have been a couple week, a couple weeks ago, and then Santiago Riveros uh, rejoining the Athletic. Uh, so he had played for the team in the past. So a couple, three players there. So I, I think that puts several players now for the team um, coming in. I know who start their season on the actually it'll be the 10th of May. I said the 13th. Now that the draw has already commenced, uh, it'll be the 10th of May with Tulsa Athletic, ho- or well, I guess it's hosting, technically hosting, Oklahoma City Energy U23. Uh, like I said earlier, there's a few things I think uh, I posted the question. Hey, what would you change about the Open Cup if you could, if you're a commissioner for a day? Got a lot of responses, tons of responses. And some of the things that I hear that's a little little disheartening or concerning to me and one of the things I would change you know you get the reimbursement for travel okay so these teams who are on a shoestring budget already um, you know John Bizworm said yeah we're all thousand airs over here right Uh, they're already on a shoestring budget and all of a sudden you have a team uh, you know like Cleveland have make they have to travel to Des Moines or a couple years ago when you had uh, Seacoast United traveling all the way to Tulsa from uh, New Hampshire. You know, that's got to be a travel. I mean, they have to fly. You can't drive that. What I would like to see is is teams have an advance. Let's say, okay, your team, you know, how much is it going to cost you to travel? You can do, allocate it based off of some calculation. Yeah, I mean, whatever cost of living calculation or travel maybe the teams can submit hey how much is it going to cost us if we have to fly somewhere and maybe you say if it if it's more than a you know six hour drive you have the option to fly your team or what i'm a six hour eight hour whatever it is that you'd give the team the advance and what would happen is if they don't use all that money that's okay just you know they'd have to report that as income so you'd offset your expense by you know, whatever that is. And if you needed more, you could send a submit expense report for that amount. At least that'll give them some money on the front end where they don't have to, you know, scrape by just to put a team, you know, who's who's done well to qualify for the tournament, which they should be rewarded for doing so. And, you know, some of the folks said it takes 90 plus days to get the money back on, on the expenditures. So that's... You know, that seems a little bit, that seems ridiculously long to get an expense report back. Believe me, if I didn't turn in, if I didn't pay somebody's expense report in 90 days at work, I'd get yelled at. I'm just telling you, I was, somebody would be literally picking up the phone saying, Roger, what the heck? I'm an accountant, so I've, I deal with this. This is, my, this is my daily life, okay? So I'm not making that up. I'm, I'm very keenly aware of how people spend thousands of dollars going somewhere on behalf of the company and they don't get their expense report paid back within a couple of weeks. I start listen, I start hearing it. Okay. So 90 plus days, that's ridiculous. Let's do better. Give them an advance. Something else I would propose. U.S. Open Cup start date in June, not May. I've talked to several folks who said, yeah, we're getting players in on the same day we have a game on the 10th. That just seems very – I mean, how, how are you going to get those guys some practice? How are you going to get them game game ready? They're coming – they're leaving their dorm rooms, heading over to 
you know, some of the guys here who play for John Brown University or for Westland, they're, they're traveling all the way to, to Charlotte, throwing all their stuff in a car, driving all the way to wherever they're going. And then, oh, yeah, by the way, we've got a game next couple of days against Chattanooga FC or against uh, Des Moines Menace or against, you know, name the team, Azteca FC, whoever, right? They've all, some of these amateur teams, they've, they've been practicing together. They, they all know each other, you know, like Harpo's FC. They, they all play together. So when they go play Albuquerque or when they go play whoever, these NPSL PDL teams, I put them at a disadvantage for the U.S. Open Cup. I, just, I don't think it's very fair for those teams in those leagues. To me, I think they should be at least, you know, if, if most, of your college, most of your players are from the college teams, which a lot of the college semesters run into May and – you know, they're taking finals or maybe graduating or whatever in the first couple weeks of May. But no, no, you've got an open cup match and maybe there's a couple strikers or a couple of guys that you need, defenders, whatever, that aren't available or you haven't even put, how do you put on a jersey yet to go practice? And now all of a sudden, okay, let's go play a soccer match. So I'd propose we move it to June and and. We can do it over international breaks. I mean, really, these MLS teams, yeah, some of them take it serious when it gets later rounds, but really uh, it's it's not a priority for a lot of these teams outside of the fact that you get to, to qualify for the CONCACAF Champions League. So, you know, is it – a lot of these guys, they play their reserve teams anyways in this tournament. So anyway – Maybe I'm off base there. Maybe they don't. But I think we should, we, it would help to move the tournament back and make it a more condensed and make and make the matches on a Saturday instead of a Wednesday. I don't think that helps anyone, their causes, to play a match in the middle of the week when there's people – I mean, it doesn't matter. You know, it, it's a midweek match. Even the best teams in the world have a hard time drawing midweek. Unless it's just a prime prime opponent or someone that is coming to town that you're interested in, it's just hard to you know get the family school going on or or maybe you had to work late at the office and then turn around and oh wait there's a midweek match and, and go it's not the same atmosphere you don't get the tailgating atmosphere you don't get you know people got to go work the next day it's just it's just different so I'd propose you look to match days on a Saturday or a Friday, Saturday match day versus a Wednesday or Tuesday match day. I wish the open USSF would rearrange schedules to put this as a, as a uh, priority. Also, what I'd also propose also, also propose is that the prize money would increase for these teams, especially in the lower ranked first, second round, you know, if you can make, yeah, I think there's prize money for the team who makes it the furthest out of the amateur ranks, out of the PDL, out of the NPSL. But I think that there should be prize money for making it to the second round. If you win your first round match, okay, you get 5000 or $2,500 for making it to the second round. I mean, that can help some of these clubs pay for some things. And you're investing in the, in the foundation of American soccer. Foundation of American Soccer is not MLS. It's not NASL. It's not USL. 
Foundation of Soccer is PDL, NPSL, Amateur Leagues. Those are, that's your foundation. That's where the growth is going to come. Those are, those are the teams that are going to find the next generation of soccer players for the teams in the second division and the first division. So I would say those are my three main things. There's a million that I could change, but those would be my three main things I would change if Roger Graham was commissioner of soccer federation for the day. I just changed. I just go in there and Trump do the old Donald Trump executive orders or, you know, I don't need congressional approval. I'll just make it happen. Right. If I could, that's what I would change. Anyway. So I hope, uh, those jive with you. Maybe you disagree with me. Maybe I missed something out. Holler at me on Twitter at tornado alley SPC or at Rajman nine, nine. And also something else. Uh, if you are interested at all in promoting your business or anything you'd like to promote, and I can do a script read of that holler at me, uh, on Twitter or, at tornado alley spc at gmail.com or rogman99 at gmail.com. And we can talk uh, about that if you are interested. And again, this has uh, been a little bit of an abbreviated episode. I apologize for not having uh, guests, but like I said, it's Easter. Did not want to interfere with family plans for anyone. So we'll have them on next week. We'll get it going. We have the Colorado Spring switchbacks. Uh, we'll preview that. Post, uh, post review the Rio Grande Valley match and talk about whatever it is that is on my mind. Again, thank you so much. A special shout out to Mike Mitchell who does the production for this podcast. Big help. Thank you so much. Again, I hope you all have a great week. Enjoy soccer. Love you. God bless. Take care. <laughs>